So, Michelle. Oh, hi. Remember way, 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 way back in February? No. When, yeah, well, I'm a bit like that myself. This year is just getting out of control. I know. But way back in February, when that you know little incident happened in Eastern Europe and that little country, Russia, invaded that even littler country, Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. We said, look, this is all going to sort itself out in about three weeks. We'll talk about it then. Yeah. Well, here we are here in we are. May. I know. Day 72 as we record this. Day 72 for a war that was meant to take three. Yes. And you know what? And, and some of the stuff that's coming out of there. I mean, Insane. Yeah. When you sent me that message about dolphins, I was like, I'm all in this war. Oh, I know. Right. I know. The dolphins really excite me. We really, yeah, well, uh, that's an interesting thing to say. Well, sorry, they excite themselves because we know what dolphins are like. Yeah. They're highly just, sexualized beings. Okay. Um, this is going off in a direction that I'm not Okay, anyway, for. as you were. We'll go, 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 go. But look, I really want to just sit down and today talk about what the hell has gone wrong with Russia and the Ukraine. We only have half an hour. Yeah, don't worry. I can get it in. Okay. You're listening to I Spy, the trained dolphin of Australian intelligence. What are you, what are you trying to tell me? What? There's, there, there's a bomb? Right under your seat. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll move. Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And as we mentioned, day 72, yeah. as we record this, yeah. of the war that was really only meant to take three days. And I can I can just imagine how Putin is feeling right now. I mean, I'm sure he's wringing his hands. He's yes. wringing some necks. He's Bring me a bigger table. <laughs> yeah. he's, not, he's not too happy about it. So we're going to touch on that. But we're also going to look at something that I found on the internet that I found really, really interesting. Yeah. And that was the use of dolphins Ooh, in yeah. warfare. And I thought... Lol. Yeah. And nah. everyone was like, nah, here we go. Nah, let, let me tell you, I, for one of it, pardon the pun, I did a deep, deep dive, dive and sure enough, there is some serious gear about this. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. Let's, look at, let's look at the Ukraine yes. and what's going on in there right let's now. Let's do it. Right. Just to encapsulate everything really quickly, yeah. there was a multiple invasion on many fronts. They were attacking Kiev like crazy and then they just went, Kiev's too hard, let's get out of here. Yes. And now they've just focused on eastern Ukraine. They want to take the Donbass. They want to take Maripol. They want to create a little corridor of space between Sevastopol and the Crimea and all the way up along the border, right? Now, the problem is the Russian military, we were all terrified of the Russian military. They they were this huge machine. No one's terrified of them anymore, are they? No. And the reason, there's a couple of reasons why. One is this thing called Bezpredel, which is their military doctrine. Right now, Bezpredel, literally translated, means boundlessness. Right. Right. So the whole idea means it's to operate with impunity. Take no prisoners. Literally, it takes no. It's take no prisoners. Now, the term first appeared in the nineties after the collapse of the Soviet Union, mm. and it's it's actually from the criminal syndicates. It's from the Russian mafia, right? Right. Because what happened was during the Soviet Union, the criminal world, the underworld, was very very cautious not to tick off the Soviet administration right. because the Soviet administration would lock them in a gulag and torture them. Right. So they were very careful that there were unwritten rules of conduct. You don't go anywhere. You don't go too far. Don't push it. Don't kill that guy. Mm. All that sort of stuff. As soon as the Soviet Union collapsed, the underworld went, gloves are off, kids, go crazy, do what you want. Now, the interesting thing is the Russian military has picked up on that attitude. So what they basically do is it's the expression, people are saying it's the expression of Putin's regime. I will not be stopped. I will not apologize. I will do what I want. So that's one of the big problems because they've got this doctrine of go crazy, don't stop, Mm. that you turn the, the country you're fighting against 
against you in a very big way, right? They will fight back really solidly. The second thing they've got that's a really big problem is they don't structure their army like we do. I mean, what rank was your father in the Air Force? Um, uh, Lieutenant. Lieutenant Commander? Yes, something yeah, like that. That was my yeah. dad. Yeah, so yeah. The equivalent rank for that in the army is a major. Yes. Right. So a major, that's a pretty good rank. It's a mid-range yeah. rank, right? But the thing is, that's an officer. And officers work on strategy. Their idea is to go, we need to take that hill. Yeah. Right. But who is the person that actually goes, well, we're going to take that hill this way? It's not an officer. It's a non-commissioned officer. It's the sergeants and the corporals and all these guys who actually have the tactical experience. Yeah, right. Because there's an interesting point that someone made. When you're a lieutenant freshly out of um, military school, ha-ha, I've got my own command, right? As soon as you walk into that command, there is a guy who's your sergeant who's had 15 years' experience. Now, yeah. I don't care if you've got better rank than him. He's got more experience and he's going to teach you how to do your job better than any military college. In Russia, they have no NCOs. What do you mean? They don't have any sergeants or corporals. Okay. So the officers have to do all of that scut work that the sergeants and the corporals do. Oh, right. See, the difference is in America, they regard their NCOs and in Australia too. We regard them as the backbone of our military. Yep. They're the guys that get the job done, right? They're the guys that have got 15, 20 years experience. Mm. But in Russia, they don't do that. And on top of that, their army is pretty much made out of one-year conscripts. So guys that have been dragooned in and only served one year. And also apparently didn't even know why or who they were fighting. <laughs> exactly. So that didn't really help either. Right. So in the Ukraine, the Russians are losing generals and colonels, which is a really big one. Yeah, they're, they're losing all the high ranking. They're losing all the high ranking ones because they have to go down to the front line to make sure their orders are being followed. Yes, and like what we've seen is like, I can't remember the name, but they lost some incredibly high ranking um, members yeah. of their armed forces. Their armed forces. They're losing. Losing them to snipers, ambushers, yep. just general mayhem on the front line because they've got to get out of the tent in the back line, move to the front and go, guys, um, what are you doing? We yep. told you to move that way. The other thing they've got a real problem with is because they've got conscripts on the ground. They have mm. – you've got your conscripts and then you've got another side of it called the contractiki. Right. Who are contract soldiers. They're guys – now, here's another thing. A contract soldier will get 62,000 rubles a month. I don't know, is that a lot? That's about 1,500 Australian. That's probably a lot in Russia. Yeah, well, it is. Guess how much a conscript gets? How much? 2,000 rubles Ooh. a month. Oof. So it's like they get the price of a pizza and a can of beer oh. a month. To like die for your country and you don't even know why. Exactly. Now, the other thing that's going on that I really find interesting mm. about this is because you've got conscripts, they don't know what they're doing. They've only been trained for like, Three months. And to, to be fair, Ukraine also has the same thing going on. But instead of conscripts, you've got people who are like going, taking up arms and wanting to fight because they're fighting passionately and for a reason. Yes, but their army also has NCOs. Right. Right. They've got experienced soldiers. Yeah. But all of the contractikis, the career guys, yeah. they don't get made NCOs. They're specialists that run things like the command centers and yeah. the anti aircraft batteries. Right. They don't actually go out into the field and do stuff. So these conscripted guys are just getting wiped out. Yep. Then the commanders are going, why are they getting wiped out? And they're getting wiped out. Yep. And it comes down to a simple thing was they were told they had to take an airfield. 
Yep. Right now, if you turn around to an American unit and said, you need to take that airfield, we need to take it now, yep. the sergeant will go, all right, what's the best way to take this airfield? He'll turn around to the lieutenant and go, lieutenant, you want to do it this way. Yes. X, Y, Z. This guy goes there. These guys go here. People Crossfire, are just storming it, 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 in. Overwatch will do it. They go, you need to take it now. So they just dumped a whole bunch of paratroopers in the middle of the airfield yeah. and the, the Ukrainians went, thanks, guys, bang. Yeah. Right. And, and I think what we're seeing as well and probably what Russia didn't expect is how the West is feeding Ukraine with all the weaponry. Pouring it in. And just pouring it in. And like recently what we're seeing as well, I know from what I've read, is that Ukraine is holding off on doing some – gaining some groundwork because they know that they're getting more weaponry from the US in June. So they're like literally holding back. They know that they're just going to stand their ground and they're not going to do anything proactive or on the offense. They are actually standing their ground. Even in the – like when they were in around Kiev and Pripyat and Chernobyl and all that, that corridor coming down from Belarus, they lost 40 kilometres of column because – just got wiped out. And but also interestingly, what we're seeing is like, you know, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, we're seeing head of the house in the US, Nancy yep. Pelosi, we're seeing all these high profile people going in and meeting with Vladimir Zelensky. Mm. And like this is stuff we've never seen before. Yeah, it's very rare that you go into a country that's currently at war. Yes. And like the, you know, the British Prime Minister yeah. went in to a war zone Which to also, meet with him. I mean, it also says that this is how confident that they are that yes. this is not going to be an issue. But the thing that was interesting about it was now it's in the eastern side of the Ukraine. Mm. It's very flat. Yeah. Right. So it's perfect for tank battles and artillery barrages and stuff like that. Now, the interesting thing is the Ukrainians sort of – there was a great interview with a Ukrainian soldier. He was in a hospital Mm. because – Basically, they were going out to their artillery position. As soon as they got there, one of them looked up and they went, oh, my God, that's a drone. Right. And within seconds, the barrage just washed over the position. Right. Right. So, But the thing is, because the Russians are so terrified that they're going to get a barrage back if they take the position, they're not moving in. They're not moving their troops forward. So they're at a stalemate. So they just keep sending tanks in and the tanks get destroyed. And they just send in more tanks. Yeah. And right. what also is interesting at the moment, we've got a key ally of Russia. So um, the Belarusian leader, Alexander Lushenko, mm-hmm. is now turning, not turning on Putin, but, you know, he's the one who's been defending the war in oh. Ukraine. And mostly because Putin kind of, you know, when he was trying to remain as the head of the country, like when they had the election. Lukashenko was backed by Putin. Yeah, was yeah. backed by Putin. So then he's like been sending forces. But now he's even saying that this is Dragging on. Yeah. This is getting too much. But also, he's probably staring down the barrel of the sanctions that are hitting the Russians. Oh, yes. And going, oh. Because that is a country that, unlike Russia, can't withstand the sanctions. Nope. Although, interestingly enough, I don't know how well Russia is going to fare now that the EU has basically put a kibosh on getting it's gas and oil, gas isn't and it? oil off yep, from They've them. shut that down. So I think, you know, I think. Putin is really starting to feel the squeeze. Yeah, and the interesting thing as well, and on the intelligence side of it, Mm. something like 600 what would be regarded as intelligence officers, 600 diplomats have been kicked out of Europe. 600 Mm. Russian diplomats have been booted. Every country's gone, right, let's just get all of the – anyone we even think smells like an intelligence officer, gone. So what do do you think is the feeling on the ground in in Russia? Russia? 
Look, the, the problem with that is because the information, the propaganda yeah, the um, game is so strong mm. over there that there are a lot of Russians that are like, well, you know, we had to save. I mean, this is the thing I find interesting. We have to save. Save them, yeah. Save the Ukrainians from this terrible Nazi who was yeah. supposed to be Jewish. Yeah. So much so that let's get those Nazis from the US called the Proud Boys to come and fight with us. Yeah. But of course they didn't. But the whole thing is- No, because they can see when a war is going to be lost. <laughs> what's really interesting, and again, it comes back to the Russian military, is a lot of people are now desperately avoiding. They're doing everything they can to avoid getting conscripted. Yeah. They're finding deferrals or they're just not showing up. Yeah, right? well, and, you wouldn't. And they've, they've desperately tried to sort of fix this. Now, there's one other big problem with the Russian military, and it comes down to the fact that they don't have NCOs, is it's called the Dovschina. Okay. The Dovschina. Hello. Okay. My name is the Dovschina. Hazing. Hazing. Right. So now the whole thing again, the Dedovschina is actually a term that was coined in a gulag. Right. And it is regarded as the caste system of seniority within a gulag. Mm. The Russian military then applied that to their conscripted troops. So the more senior you are, so if you're a conscripted troop, it's at the end of his year and a new guy comes in, you can steal from him, mm. you can beat him, mm. you can pretty much torture him. And no one's going to say boo. Well, I mean, that sounds delightful. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to be part of that group? <laughs> now, a lot of militaries do have hazing. Australia has had problems with hazing. I, they have. Every military has But it's it. not that bad. It's not that bad because you have an NCO that will yeah. come in and go, nah, not on yeah. my watch. Yeah. Because as soon as you've got hazing, you lose cohesion and you lose morale. But also what we're seeing as well, like as we're talking about with Mariupol and like the country's east, mm. and that's what they're fighting to basically grab is now it's a shell of itself. From yeah. It's a war zone that yeah. has literally nothing. I know Antony Guterres, the, the head of the UN, basically was like, I don't know why they're fighting for this because, yeah. like, it's there's nothing there anymore. You've leveled it. You've leveled it. So at what point – I mean, I don't understand how Russia is going to come out of this looking good in any way. It's not. All right, Ever. the bottom line, it's not going to come out looking so, good. So what? What? what is Putin's recourse here? Face. That's all he's trying to yeah. save here. Like May 9 So he is- just needs – he just basically just needs a little bit of gain. Yeah. He needs and then to, he's good. He needs to come up with some sort of victory. Yeah. And just one last thing on the yes. hazing. I just want to go back to this hazing thing because it's a really interesting stat. One of the things they regarded as the reason why they really failed in Afghanistan, despite the Taliban or at the time the Mujahideen yeah. and the CIA and the Stinger missiles and all that stuff, the biggest problem they had was these conscripted armies, these conscripted units were being sent into Afghanistan. Mm. As soon as they went into battle, the first thing that happened was people started shooting each other in the unit because they were being hazed by them. So they were shooting each other it's in the so back. Random. So yeah, you're losing troops from friendly fire. Whereas the Taliban are too busy, um, you know, raping and pillaging women to mm. care about each other. Well, they've had a big problem with rain in Afghanistan, just as a little adjunct here, and they've now turned around to the you know the world and gone, "Can you help us out with some cash?" Oh. It's like the whole world's gone. Dude, are you kidding? Just sell more cocaine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, heroin. It's heroin. Oh, it's heroin? Yeah, it's heroin. Yeah, that's where the poppy fields are. Uh, now, the whole thing is, right, and you're absolutely right about this thing where how does he get out of this yes, alive? It's bad. Right? It's really, really bad. It's so bad that the rumour's going around now that he's going to get Assad-friendly Syrians to come in and fight. And he's been using mercenaries from the Wagner Group. Mm. Right? So he's basically paying people to fight his war. May the 9th is the anniversary of the Soviet victory mm. over the Nazi Germany. Yep. Right. 
they have a big military parade in Red Square. You know, the tanks go by and the missile on a truck and all that sort of stuff. And mm. everyone marches in goose step. By the way, all the guys marching in goose steps would be concert dickies. They wouldn't be conscripted. They'd be contracted. They're paid to march. Yeah. Right. They're the good marchers. So the thing is, he probably wants to have something to celebrate on that day. Yeah. So he would desperately, desperately, desperately want to have Maripol under his control. Yep. And that's why the steel works that is the focus of so much fighting around Maripol, that steel works. He wants that done. Mm. And that's why he probably opened the corridors to let the civilians out, which the first time they did it, they then shelled. But now he's trying to get the civilians out so he can take over. I think they said that it's probably today or tomorrow it will all be over in there and he can turn around and say, I've got Maripol, it's mine. And that will be the big celebration on May the 9th. But the yep. bottom line is if he does take eastern Ukraine and he gets that corridor, I can guarantee you there that will become the hotbed of insurgency and it will also become an intelligence focus. Right. Because you'll be able to start putting, like, if you're the West, you'll be able to start seeding intelligence, military intelligence assets in there to keep the pot boiling. So it becomes that weeping sore that no, you want a war to go start, finish. Yeah. Right? You don't want wars to you drag on. You don't want it on. to drag on, and, which it feels like this is what's happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this becomes the problem for Putin because the more that it drags on, the more he loses face and someone's going to come around and sort of like crawl under that 24-foot table and come out the other end and pop him. Yeah, I think that's more looking more likely, which is kind of some people might think yeah. is a good thing. Now, I really want to get onto this because I read it thinking it was a joke and then everyone tweeted at me and said, no, it's not. So I read this whole article about how Russia is using trained military dolphins yeah. against Ukraine. Yep. They're all sergeants. <laughs> and I was like, what? What? And then I was like, James Bond. Like, it, it was very, very, very weird. But apparently this is a thing. Right. It is totally a thing. And now in 1960, the American mm. military started playing around with beluga whales and dolphins, bottlenose yep. dolphins. Now, the reason they did it was they went, damn, their sonar is really good. Mm. And, man, they can move underwater. Yeah. What can we learn from them? Mm. That was the whole reason they did it. That whole program started when they went, man, can we look at their sonar and how they use it? Not just how it physically works in their head, but mm. how they use it. Yeah. Can we look at that to improve our sonar? And look, can we look at the way they swim and the way they move and the shape of their bodies, you know, the, the fluid dynamics, the hydrodynamics of their body? Can we work out if that helps with our submarines? And then someone went, well, we should train them to pick things up and do things underwater because that would also help. And yeah. suddenly, ba-boom. Everyone's gone, hang on a minute. So it started with bottlenose dolphins and beluga whales. Yes. Now, the other thing they discovered but was- what do they do? Right. Okay. So interesting case, it came up a couple of years ago, a fisherman in the Baltic Sea, I think he was a mm. Norwegian fisherman, saw a dolphin with a strap, with a harness around it, and it was obviously struggling. It was, it was suffering because of it. So he dived into the water, and there's footage of it, and he cut the harness off. Yeah. And they went, this is really weird. And then they threw it on the boat. The dolphin swam away after going- and then going backwards, okay. you know, waved, yeah. flipped over, did a somersault. Right, flipper. Ticked off. Yep. And then anyway, they had a look at it and there was a plastic housing on it. There was nothing in it. It was like it was what you would connect something to. Right. But it had St. Petersburg on it. Crazy. So it's like, hang on. Now, a lot of the Scandinavian states have said that they're seeing cetaceans, they're seeing mainly dolphins showing up and they have harnesses on, right? So you could put a camera on them. One of the things the Americans did was they would train dolphins and seals to swim with cameras in their mouths. Okay. So you can use it for intelligence gathering. Now, in the Vietnam War, there was a rumour of dolphins hanging around US Navy vessels. 
Yeah. Right. That also became a rumor that is pretty much confirmed. It also happened in the Persian Gulf during the first Gulf War. The Americans have trained dolphins to protect their ships from swimmers. So divers, yeah. And, you know, if you were swimming up with a mine to stick under the bottom of the boat, what happens is the dolphins swim slowly around the boat. Yeah. They're so, you know, sonaring, they're pinging. Yeah. If they ping something in the water, they then go and like indicate, they basically pop out of the yeah, water yeah, and yeah. tell their handler who's standing there with a rifle, there's someone over there. Yeah. Right? Or with a flipper. They don't yeah. do it. <laughs> I just pointed with my <laughs> finger. <laughs> <laughs> that way, that way. Anyway, so they indicate where the guy is. Yeah. The other thing they can do is they can ram him and they can mark him. Right? Mm. They can. So they. It's it's a real sh- yeah sharks with lasers. It's one of those things where they can yeah. actually go up and mark him, so they can then track this swimmer. The other thing they can do is they did have housings mounted on them that would fire a dart into the guy. But the bottom line is if you really wanted a dolphin to stop someone, you just get the dolphin to ram them. The so dolphin can harass the swimmer enough to drive At what point do the we then create dolphins that and arm them with explosives and they're just well, exactly. walk into the middle of a situation and blow themselves up and everyone else? Boy, that would ruin your SeaWorld holiday, <laughs> know, wouldn't it? it? What I'm waiting for is a, a, like a dolphin with a turban and a bomb vest just to come in the middle of the pool and go, for my freedom! Yeah. Actually, funnily enough, the Japanese government released a statement just this morning saying that they're not whaling in the Antarctic, oh. it's disarmament. Um, <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, of course. I worked really sense. hard on that. Yeah. So, look, the whole thing with it is the Americans use dolphins, beluga whales, and seals. Yep. And the Russians are using dolphins, beluga whales, and sea lions. The other thing that they can do is they can locate and remove things like mines. They're trained to spot these things using sonar. Yeah. And then grabbing it, taking it away. So when you go, this is crazy and it never happens, oh, yeah, it's a total I, And my, I was mind blown for me because yeah. – and apparently so many people knew about it and I did not. So <laughs> that was the other thing. Oh, look, they used them in Vietnam. They used them in the Gulf. And at one point in the 80s, the Americans had a collection of about 100 different dolphins and seals, belugas, that they were using – as military weapons. Now, the mor- you know, the morality of this is highly dubious and highly questionable, but my God, I also think that's just so clever. awesome. It's so clever. Yeah. Free Willy, he was a vet that just wanted to get out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what did they get as compensation? I don't know. Oh, you know, there's a, actually, when you go to SeaWorld- What did they get out of it? When you're at SeaWorld, you'll always see a dolphin out the front going, you know, served my time. Yeah. You know. Help me out. And finally, one of the interesting things is if you've never been to SeaWorld in San Diego. No, um, not my jam. Uh, well, we took the kids. We yeah. were over there and the kids were like 10 and 8. And we go and it's like, yeah, go and see the Shamu show. And mm. my God, it's the most the most depressing thing is my wife when you can have dinner with Shamu. Great. No, not not great at all. You sit next to a swimming pool eating terrible, you know, theme park nuggets and chips. Yeah. While this poor bloody whale swims around in circles. Oh, it's just sad. We, like even the boys just went, This is horrible because we so go sad. <laughs> one of the things they like the San Diego Sea World is really highly, for want of a better word, militarized. You know, we support our uh, our serving troops and they've got all of this great imagery. So of you think soldiers that that's like all of the all of the What is San Diego Sea World? Partly funded by uh, the Department of Defence. Highly bloody likely. 
Highly likely. <laughs> Which is why it'll never get shut down. No, yeah. Why? Was it shut down? I thought it, something happened. I don't know. I don't know either. But the whole thing is, yeah, they use them. Now, I think you would find that there is a there would have to be a modicum of, of kindness. Mm. Whereas, you know, I've got to tell you, the beluga whales in Russia haze the dolphins like nothing on earth. They're so mean. They're to so them. mean to them. They're awful. But the bottom line is, yeah, it, it's like training a, a dog. Australia, one of the things the Australians did in Vietnam really well was they had their, their mm. dog squads. Mm. And they were basically there to get down in the tunnels with the special forces officer and go, or, you know, trooper, and go through and clear out the mines, clear out the tunnels that the Vietnamese yeah. had. And they were really, really good at it. These dogs were brilliant at it. Yeah. The Americans use, you know, Alsatians and Rottweilers and that sort of stuff as combat. Mm. Units. They're, they're trained to kill. Yeah. Like we do do that. We teach animals how to hurt people because it's a war. It's yep. military. But I mean, the fact that around Sevastopol they've got dolphin pens, that is not at all a surprise. No. No. They're just protecting. They're just and serving. Serving. And then occasionally doing a somersault and balancing a ball. That's what they do, actually. When they find a mine, they, they come out of the water and they balance it on their nose. You're lying. Yeah, You're making that up. I, yeah, that's okay. what I do. Okay. Well, there we go. We're probably, we've literally solved that whole dolphin <laughs> scenario. I was very, very intrigued. I know. You were absolutely enthralled. And can I tell you, uh, the reaction to, from everybody on our Twitter feed at I Spy Podcast. I knew we had to slip it in. I always do. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, there was some absolutely fantastic gifts. Yes. And some great replies. And I was so proud of everybody. Yes. Well done, everyone.